Welcome to the Divorce Academy podcast. This is a divorce survival kit about important issues and helpful information if you think you may be getting a divorce or you're going through one now. Your host, Shelly Kester, is a licensed family law attorney in the state of Michigan and located in beautiful Traverse City, Michigan. You can learn more about Shelly and the attorneys at Wilson Kester at our website, simplywilsonkester.com. For our first episode, we are going to discuss how to select the attorney that is best for you. So you're going through a divorce and you don't know anything about a divorce. You don't know what you don't know. And to some extent, getting a divorce without an attorney is a lot like going into a jungle without a guide. Um, And there really is more to picking a lawyer than the old days of flipping through the yellow pages and looking at a picture and saying, that person looks normal, I think I'll call them. There are a lot of things to think about. For example, you're getting a divorce. So you wanna know what the attorney's specialty is. So they have a special focus. Are they engaged in family law exclusively? Or are they engaged in the general practice or a civil litigator, or maybe they're your business attorney and they say, I can handle your divorce for you. So you need to think about how important is it to you to have somebody who day in, day out does family law, is familiar with the legal issues in family law, familiar with the family court, uh, the issues that are relevant in family court and how your local court may treat the issues in your case. Um, So as a general rule, I would say it's really helpful to have somebody whose practice is principally focused on, or if not exclusively on family law. You're also going to want to know about their familiarity with different methods about how to resolve the points of disagreement in your case because there are more than one. You know, and For a long time, it was simply a litigation model. You would file for divorce, and in the old days you had to prove grounds in Michigan to get a divorce, and then it would be a battle of the titans to reach agreement and resolution on the issues to solve the issues in your divorce case. Who gets what? Who, what happens with the children? What kind of support will I get? Will my spouse be ordered to pay my attorney fees? That was all through the litigation model for the longest time. But there are now different methods to resolving agreements. And I think they're good methods. And the attorney that you consult with should talk to you about the different ways you can come to an agreement or resolve the dispute that you have in your uh, dissolution of your marriage. You're also gonna wanna know a little bit about the background or training that your attorney that you're considering hiring has had. Do they believe in continuing legal education? Are they keeping up on the latest changes in the law and the latest changes in what we call court rules, court rules? Uh, spell out the procedure that applies in a divorce case. Do they keep up on things or are they uh, maybe out of date? And so you could ask them politely, you know, what what kind of training have you gotten and, what, you know, do you keep up on that? Can you tell me a little bit more about your ex- educational experience? And then also you want to make sure that whoever you hire is familiar with the court that your case is in And um, it's helpful if they know the family law practitioners and what their particular style is because that can impact how your case is handled. Now, one, you know, obvious question is how do I find a family law attorney? 
You know, there's a myriad of ways. Kind of the old, the old school way, and not entirely a bad way, is word of mouth. Word of mouth can be from a counselor. If you're going to a counselor, say you're going to a marriage counselor or a counselor for yourself, or your kid's counselor, they may know somebody. Oftentimes, family law attorneys interact with counselors, and they may have a good handle on who in your community does good work, uh, is helpful to clients, is client-centered, and they may be able to help you uh, go to somebody that they have um, high regard for. Another source might be to contact financial professionals that you know, your tax preparer or your uh, financial advisor. They may interact with family law attorneys um, who have experience dealing with businesses and valuation of businesses and uh, the property issues that will come up in a divorce where there are um, issues of support and property, which is often most cases. You might also get the name of a experienced uh, good family attorney by talking to other attorneys you know. Now, most lawyers know lawyers that are in their own area of practice, but it isn't uncommon for business attorneys or criminal defense attorneys to know the lawyers in their community who do family law work. So you might ask them if they have a good referral uh, for you. And then of course, there's reputation. Does the, is the lawyer known in your community? What is their reputation? And you can get that information from their former clients, family of a former client, other attorneys, of course, and as well as from client reviews that you might find uh, both on Google or on avvo.com, avvo.com. Um, and sometimes we've gotten cases from referrals from a party who was on the opposite side of our client. They thought we did a good job for their opposing party when it's always the highest compliment. So the internet is an obvious uh, source to find an attorney. Um, as I mentioned before, there's avvo.com, there's Google. You might look at a lawyer's website that can tell you a lot about their firm's mission. Uh, the lawyers, you can see pictures often of the lawyers and their background and experience. There's also the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, Super Lawyers, Fine Law, and the local um, bar association as well as the state bar website that will often have links to backgrounds on attorneys. So there's no shortage of sources to find attorneys who practice family law. So I mentioned before about the different ways you can resolve your divorce case. You know, there's always, if you if you really don't have any property and you don't have children and maybe there's just some household items that you need to divide or very simple issues in your case, there's nothing wrong with you and your spouse sitting at the kitchen table and talking about how you're going to amicably resolve uh, the division of your belongings and the debt and come to an agreement and write that out. You can do that if things are simple and if it's written up wrong, there isn't much consequence just to be able to move forward. But oftentimes errors can be made in how that's written up or maybe there's not an equal bargaining position between the spouse, one's a little more dominating or controlling or it's always their way um, or it's just the emotion is too much to sit down across from each other to do it across the table. And so what do you do? What other ways could we resolve it? Well, collaborative divorce is 
has been around for some time, but it's growing in its use. And it is a process where each party has a collaboratively trained attorney who uh, gives them legal advice and represents them. But there are a series of meetings between the collaborative attorneys and the parties to identify the issues in the case, set an agenda, identify um, the issues that need to be worked through and prioritize how those will be addressed. And when all of the issues have been resolved, an agreement is written and it's done before filing. So there really is no litigation. And in fact, the parties write up the documents together and agree when they'll be submitted to the court. And they sign a participation agreement that says that if we fall out of our effort to try to reach a resolution on all issues or part of them, and we somebody threatens to go to litigation, that you have to fire your lawyers, lawyers and start over. And that's really the leverage to keep people working at it pre-filing to come to an agreement. Collaborative divorce also has um, a departure from the adversarial litigation model and that it's really a team effort to try to come up with a lot of options that serve both parties and come up with the one that serves both parties the best or most closely. But everybody's working on a team approach and it's less adversarial. Uh, that has the benefit of privacy of the process. It's not in the public record. It's less adversarial. And you have an attorney who's giving you legal advice and looking out for you, but also looking out for a resolution that's more akin to the dissolution of a family as opposed to a car crash or a contract dispute. Another method is to participate in facilitated mediation with a mediator. That's where a neutral mediator facilitates the conversation, does not give legal advice, does not represent either party, you can have your own attorney at a facilitated mediation or both parties can be unrepresented and whatever agreement is reached um, at mediation, it needs to be signed and written up. And of course, the devil's in the details on what is written up. So it's important, I think, to have a lawyer um, look at the written document that you're signing because there's meaning to the words that are used and courts can only enforce what is written down and if something is missed or overlooked or incorrect, um, it's very difficult, if not impossible sometimes, to um, undo that. So I would assume that it would be upheld in most cases. The other thing that you can do if you're on a limited budget is you can hire an attorney to just simply not appear in your case, but to prepare documents. Because it, often the documents that are involved in a divorce case can be a bit overwhelming and unfamiliar and attorneys know what needs to be in those documents and what is required so that they'll be accepted by the court and they'll achieve um, what you're trying to accomplish in your divorce. Beyond those methods, there's also arbitration, which is another way where the parties uh, privately go to a binding um, arbitrator who will uh, hear both sides' cases it's outside the court system. The, if uh, the decision will be reached and the binding arbitrator will uh, make a binding arbitration opinion 
and those opinions can be upheld in the in the court system and that's a method that's often used um, downstate more i'm in northern michigan we don't see that as much up here but i'm familiar that that occurs more frequently downstate if lower michigan then of course there's the traditional litigation uh, method where a complaint for divorce is filed uh, parties to answer or file a counterclaim to the complaint and whether it's a case involving minor children or a case um, without minor children, there's uh, the traditional method. And that lawyer that you consult with should be able to explain to you the procedural pathway from the start of the filing of the complaint to how your case can conclude, either by agreement or through a trial with a judge. And um, you can also hire an attorney to consult but not appear in your case to give you some general guidance. But of course, um, you have a full life, your spouse has a full life, and there are issues in uh, history that lead up to the decision to divorce. And so uh, some of the limitations of a lawyer who's giving you advice but not appearing in the case is that it's difficult to know all of the relevant facts in your case that might impact your um, the outcome of your case unless you're actively uh, represented and engaged in the ongoing discussions throughout the case. But that's an option. Um, so when you're thinking about who to pick for an attorney, besides those different methods um, of deciding what method I want, do I wanna do a collaborative divorce? Do I think my spouse will agree to that? Or do I wanna just do traditional litigation because I don't think they can collaborate or compromise? Um, then you wanna arrange for an initial consultation with an attorney to see if it's a good fit. And I think that initial consultation is essential as opposed to just calling them up on the phone and hiring them because you want to um, make sure that this attorney that you are thinking about hiring is the right one, is the best one for you. When you go to that meeting, you should be prepared to tell the attorney what your goals are. You should be ready to tell them the background of your marriage. Uh, they may have forms for you to complete to get some of this basic information. And if they do that in advance of the meeting, make sure you've got that filled out so that they have good information to um, help them help you. And also be prepared to let them know at the start of the meeting what you hope to leave with at the end of the consultation so that they can focus their attention on what's important to you. Oftentimes, and understandably, when the, sometimes the hardest thing is walking through the door of an attorney's office. It's, it symbolizes a lot of thought and, and uh, reflection about a big decision, and it's a significant step. Um, so often when a client comes to meet with me, we spend a lot of time I, did, I spend a lot of time listening to the background, and that can take 45 minutes telling me about what's happened and what's transpired and how they came to the decision and just a, a lot of information about where they are and where they've been. So that can leave a short amount of time for the advice or thoughts about what to do next, and oftentimes we'll set a second meeting just so we can do that. And it takes a lot out of a client emotionally to relive that information. So <clears throat> to the extent that you really wanna leave that meeting with some information, 
let the lawyer know that up front so that the time is used efficiently and you um, get hopefully what you came for when you go meet with a lawyer. Another thing you want to think about is how accessible is this possible attorney to you? Can you are they reachable so that you could meet in person? Are they available by telephone or email or text? Um, do they FaceTime if you're out of town, but you're thinking, you know, I really feel like I need a lawyer from out of town for my case because everybody knows everybody and, and I feel like I just need somebody out of town. Uh, could they FaceTime with me? Also, what are their hours? Are they accessible after business hours? You're going to want to know what their methods of communication with uh, you are going to be because communication is key to a really successful attorney-client relationship. Your dance partners, you know, you give the information about your case, you make the decisions as a client about what you will or won't agree to, what your goals are. Your goals may change in the course of the divorce <clears throat> and communication is really key. So being able to reach your attorney in a timely way and for your attorney to be able to reach you in a timely way is important and it's important to talk about how you're going to communicate. Another thing to think about is when you're talking about that is your spouse may not know you're thinking about a divorce or there's a possibility your spouse could see a message from your attorney. So you're going to want to talk about a way to communicate confidentially so that your private thoughts about whether or not you're thinking of dissolving your marriage uh, don't become revealed. And so you want to think about what's, you know, do I have a private email address or do I have a phone number or a P.O. box or something that I can use that will protect the confidentiality of my attorney-client communication? Because every action creates a reaction and you don't want to um, have somebody find out your thing about this before you're ready for that to happen. <clears throat> now, when selecting the attorney that's best for you, there are a lot of things that might be an important priority to you. You know, I want an amicable divorce. That could be an important priority. Can they talk to me about a cooperative divorce or a collaborative divorce or mediation, all the different types of methods I talked to, to you about previously? Do I trust them? Do I think they have the experience to do a good job for me? Do they seem like they have a command of the law that applies to my case? Are they familiar with the court? Do they talk to me in a way that's clear to me so that I understand them and they understand me and we seem to get along well. Do they have a reputation that I feel good about? Have they been the subject of professional discipline? You can check the state bar and find out if they've been the subject of discipline because you probably don't want that. Does their professional style fit mine? Do I Now, something that is important to think about is if you're somebody who doesn't like conflict, you avoid conflict, you might want someone who's strong enough to be a voice for you when you might not be looking out for yourself. So are they a good complement to my personality? Are they also reasonable? Am I looking for a bulldog? or are they, And are they going to fight? And if you need somebody who's strong, because every situation is unique, do you think they're up for it? So knowing what you're about and what your style is and knowing what you want to be the representative of you and knowing what your spouse is like, those are things you're going to want to think about when you're thinking about what style of attorney am I looking for, okay?
Also, when you talk about, I want to have an amicable divorce, if that's something that you think is really important to you, and frankly, it's that's a great goal and um, something to strive for because it's more affordable, it's a more pleasant experience. Is that realistic in your situation? It very well may be. Um, does your spouse, things to think about are, does your spouse have mental health problems? Is there any substance abuse issues going on? Is uh, one of the spouses very controlling? Um, or is there emotional, physical, or sexual abuse going on? That could be, you know, a, an op obstacle to an amicable divorce. Um, on the other hand, do we both have the ability to compromise and collaborate, recognizing that we can't get everything we want typically. And if both parties feel like it's been fair and there's been some compromise, you know, then maybe that goal is realistic and you need to ask yourself, how reasonable are my goals? And how reasonable are my spouse's goals? Um, so you can still have two very reasonable people, but because Divorce is, in my book, about 80% emotion and 20% math oftentimes. It can be complicated, but frequently, you know, it's not Christmas morning and emotions can get to the point, especially in the beginning, where it's really difficult to just have a civil conversation, to be able to speak to each other in a way that's respectful. So it may be that you just, because of the emotions, to get it done, you need somebody who's detached cares but is detached who can help solve these issues and help you keep your perspective. Another factor in who's the best attorney for you might be the complexity of your property. Is there a business involved? Uh, does the attorney that you are considering, do they have experience with valuation of businesses? Um, do they have a recommendation for a qualified business valuation expert? Can they give you some options on how you might go about valuing your assets in a cost-effective way? And do they have financial professionals that they work with, they have worked with in the past, that they hold in high regard who they could recommend to you and make introductions? Same with, do they work with CPAs, financial advisors, qualified domestic relations, order preparers? What is that? When you divide retirement plans, oftentimes domestic relations orders are used to divide retirement plans in a way to avoid tax penalty to equalize the division of assets. Um, and so do they know people who prepare quadros or do they prepare them themselves? Um, you want to ask that attorney, what is their experience with cases like yours? Have they seen this before? Hopefully they say yes, and they have, and they can give you some background that lets you feel that that's accurate. And ask the attorney, what legal issues do they see as important in your case and likely to be, you know, sort of the focus is they go to help you um, solve the issues in your case. Oftentimes in my practice, I hear the most important thing to me are the kids and what happens with the kids. Custody law is a unique area of the law. Uh, you need to be, your lawyer needs to be familiar with the applicable law in custody so that they can educate you about what you need to know, the evidence that will be relevant, 
information that you can give to them to help prove your case. And so you wanna know what kind of family law cases they've handled in the past. Have they ever had a case dismissed because they failed to state a cause of action? Um, how do they avoid that happening if you don't make a good motion to modify and you don't allege proper cause and change of circumstances? That's a threshold issue in Michigan. You'd like to hope that they would tell you information that would give you a sense that they're familiar with the law and what you need to be successful in your motion. Do they know the applicable burden of proof that you will have to overcome if you're looking to modify a custody order? Are they giving you information to help you understand the law? You're not an attorney. Uh, you're not expected to know the law, but your lawyer is your educator in chief about what applicable law is important in your case and what you together will need to put together to put your best case forward. Also, there may be some local rules that apply to your court. Are they familiar with that? And again, you know, keeping up on the law, are they involved in professional activities that keep them uh, alert to what's going on in the law? That's important to have a successful attorney in your case. And one of the things you might think about is, is this attorney asking me the right questions? Are they, do they seem to be focused on issues that that sound relevant to you? And are they giving you information about how um, they will help you prepare? Uh, what information are they asking from you? What are they telling you about the court uh, system? Are they um, sharing with you what you might expect from the other side? Spousal support might be a big issue for you in your case. Can they tell you about the law and spousal support and what information that you will need for that? And you might want to get together a budget and some idea about your spouse's income and your own to help your prospective attorney talk to you about your chances for receiving spousal support. Another important issue and uh, a challenging issue in divorce is the cost. I know they say the divorce, why are divorces expensive? Because they're worth it. I. It's not funny. Uh, it's, it's painful. So there are different ways, though, to handle the cost of divorce. If you find an attorney who bills in this fashion, there are attorneys who can do flat fee. Um, you can also hire an attorney to focus on just a part of your case. That's called limited scope. You can have a written agreement that limits what the lawyer will do, whether it's just document preparation or attending a single hearing. You can also give your attorney a budget that you will be able to operate within and can exceed. It may be that your case isn't over by that time and you would have to discharge your attorney. Or you could uh, make an arrangement with your attorney that they can handle your case within the budget that you're able to afford. Typically, attorneys have written fee agreements and the long-standing practice has been an hourly rate with an initial retainer. Ask the attorney what their initial retainer is, what their hourly rate is, and um, insist upon a written fee agreement so that you know what the terms of your professional relationship are with that attorney. Um, divorce is not Christmas morning, and an experienced divorce attorney is much more likely to be prepared to handle the litigation challenges that may occur in your case. And then you have to ask yourself too, am I willing to pay a reasonable fee for legal services? 
because there is a lot of time involved in handling a divorce case. Another thing that you might want to think about is the proximity of the attorney to you. Now there's some pros and cons with a lawyer who is close or far away from you. Um, having somebody close to you, they're familiar with your setting and your circumstances. If you have uh, complicated issues in your case, it may facilitate communication. They may be closer to the courthouse for filing, filing motions or responding to uh, filings in your case. On the other hand, if you're in a small town, like I mentioned before, you might see a benefit to having an outsider. Or there may be, uh, if your community is small, there may not be a family law attorney with expertise or a good fit for you in that area. Or your spouse may have met with most of the attorneys or know them and you feel that most of the attorneys are conflicted out. So you may want to seek an attorney outside your area. And also there's the issue of confidentiality. You may feel that having an attorney out of town will increase the odds that um, nobody will be aware of your business, not see your car in the parking lot or sometimes small towns, you know, it's hard to keep things under wraps if that's important to you. You're going to want to know what the attorney's success rate is by their reputation. They can tell you about case examples that they've had at the initial consultation or from their website or from talking to friends and relatives. When you have an initial consultation with an attorney, they should do a conflict check to make sure that they have not previously represented your spouse or anyone who would have a conflict with your matter. They should talk to you about the attorney-client privilege. It's a privilege that the client holds. And they should listen to your story and understand it. Now, some attorneys charge a consultation fee for an initial consultation and uh, not always is, is free better. Um, sometimes it's, you know, you get what you pay for often. So what are you getting of value from the meeting? You know, be realistic. Have they identified legal issues? Have they identified the divorce method that they think is best for your goals? And have you talked about the scope of work that you want the attorney to do? Um, now, Many times in my practice, I've had a prospective client say to me, my spouse is a narcissist. Are you familiar with a narcissist? Do you know what that's like? Because that's going to be an issue in my case. So when you're talking to a prospective lawyer and you think your spouse is a narcissist, they may be, may be or they may not be, ask the attorney to explain what a narcissistic spouse is to see if they really have a handle on that. Um, you need to know your most important goals because with a narcissist, you're not going to want to fight on the small stuff. You're going to focus on the things that are most important. And what will that attorney's strategy be for dealing with a narcissist? Um, you can expect that a narcissist will try to split you from your attorney and your support system. By that I mean they're going to try to make you doubt whether you can trust your attorney or your family members. They're going to, I mean, you, you're living with a narcissist, so you know this. They're going to try to undercut your confidence. So from the get-go, you and your attorney should be talking about not being mindful of that and not letting that happen. 
Depositions are a good way to let a narcissist tell you their story and get good information from them because they love to talk about themselves and how wrong they've been. And so your attorney can talk to you about that. And then it's really important that you build an emotional support team to help you weather the storm when you're dealing in a divorce with a narcissist. Sometimes the narcissist can be opposing counsel. Not very often, but it can happen. You might wonder that if you see them wasting time, failing to respond to correspondence, providing incomplete information, causing delays, making false allegations, filing misleading documents, lying or worse. It's important in that situation that you and your attorney try to get a settlement that you're thinking about on the table as soon as possible to limit the battle. Narcissists love to battle. But sometimes, you know, the best defense is a great offense. If you find that the issues are really important and settlement isn't going to work, so you need to stay focused and select a lawyer who has a high standing and experience with dealing with narcissists strong to help you get through and keep your support system. Of course, getting solutions in your divorce often will require creative solution-oriented approaches to the problems. So you want to listen to that lawyer's ideas, their tips, are they client goal focused or is it all about them? And you're gonna to wanna to make sure that you will revisit your goals and progress with the attorney to make sure that you're keeping on track. Above all, you want a good fit. You want somebody who you can relate to, who's personable, who you're comfortable with, who's a good communicator and has real passion for what they do. Those are my thoughts on how you find the best attorney for you Thank you for listening. We are grateful to have you with us. Stay tuned for more episodes covering different topics about divorce, all aimed to help you navigate the path ahead of you. As a disclaimer, the information being shared today is general in nature. It is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship or geared toward any particular client. Rather, it is offered as general information that may be used as you're going through the divorce process.